0: Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. On Tuesday, Doc Rivers, the coach of the NBA's L.A. Clippers and son of a police officer, poured his heart out as he addressed the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha.
0: All you hear Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, We're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. Um, We've been hung, we've been shot, and all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's it's amazing to me why we keep loving this country, and this country does not love us back.
1: Wednesday afternoon, professional athletes across the United States took their reaction to the shooting to a new level. The Milwaukee Bucks decided not to take the court. They were going to boycott the game in the light of the police
0: shooting that happened earlier this
1: week. After the Bucks made the decision to boycott the game, the rest of the NBA followed suit. Then came baseball, then the WNBA, then Major League Soccer, and now today, the NFL. What began when Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the National Anthem four years ago this week has become a full-blown movement by athletes of all colors across five different professional sporting leagues last night. In just a bit, we'll talk with former Chicago Bull Craig Hodges and former Chicago Bear Sam Acho. But let's start things off with attorney, sports commentator, and host of the Suit Up News podcast, Xavier Pope. Xavier, welcome back to Reset.
0: Hi, thanks Thanks for having me.
1: Great to talk with you. So so your reaction to last night, I mean, just the, the idea of the Milwaukee Bucks first and then these professional leagues following suit.
0: Last night felt a lot like March 11th. Uh, March 11th is the day that Rudy Goldberg, Utah Jazz Center, uh, was determined that he had coronavirus. And then shortly after that, we found out um, that Tom Hanks' wife had contracted coronavirus. And then immediately the world changed in terms of shutting things down, social distancing. And it we entered to a different phase of how we view our everyday reality. And it started in the sports world. And I really believe that it felt a lot like that in terms of the race sickness of racism in our society and leading the sports world to bring everyone to an awareness of it so society can take um, inst- take drastic steps to bring about change to be able to protect lives of, of black um, black Americans in this country.
1: Yeah. And Xavier is interesting because the NBA, uh, when they started to bring the league back online, there was a lot of talk about the, the bubble and and COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of players and some like Kyrie Irving and and others who said they didn't want to play because this wasn't the right time, because of what was happening in the country when it comes to racial injustice. And that sports as I think it was Sean Doolittle from the the Nationals famously said, now sports is a a reward for a functioning democracy or a functioning society. So it's amazing to me that COVID-19 is not what's stopping these leagues right now. It's racism.
0: Let me first make that correction because Jane McManus is actually the one who originally made that quote and Doolittle quoted her. Oh, and so happened. Okay. That's why it, it caught a lot of attention, but, um, and she's also a very smart uh, woman who used to write for the ESPN um, W. And so I think that we are understanding now is that sports is a way that we give a litmus test as to how society is functioning. But it also, at the same time um, when society is breaking down, it is that same thing that society is seeking to reach to, to claim some sort of normalcy, but we don't have a normal. And we keep trying to reach for a measure of normalcy when there's a raging pandemic that has gone over 180,000 people that has disproportionately impacted communities of color. And then on top of having a virus that is taking out jobs, that's taking out lives, there are people having to worry about their lives those are to sworn and protect them and they don't have anyone that speak for them um in there and so now they have athletes that are using their platforms to be able to speak for them and so we are now seeing the world you saw roger goodell he's commissioner in the national football league say we should have listened to colin kaepernick sooner and colin kaepernick he took a lot of Criticism, He wanted being blackballed by the NFL. He, he was joined by players eventually, but it didn't become a wider movement to be able to really move the ball forward. He's done a lot with his organization, but it took some time to be able to change the hearts and minds of people. And I, I hearken back to this. John Lewis, just passed, a Georgia representative, a civil rights icon, he had to be beat on, t- on the head on TV and shown to the world crossing the Pettus Bridge in Selma for the wor- America to be uh, embarrassed in front of the world. And what this is doing right now in terms of the pl- videos of whether it be Jacob Blake, whether it be George Floyd, and you seeing all the different protests that have happened around the world and seeing NBA players and MLB players and NFL practices, we were seeing canceled. WNBA players, and and Naomi Osaka saying, I'm not going to play, and then tennis starts to be canceled, is that America is now being put on notice in front of the world, as this is supposed to be the shining light on the hill about what democracy is supposed to be about from all different walks of life to be a melting pot. But if it's the melting pot, and there's not everyone gets to get, get a chance to be in part of the ingredients to be able to to make this country a more delicious and delectable place to be able to be the shining light, mm-hmm. then there are people who are going to have to be able to show the America, the ugliness of what it is to re- and now the world is being involved. So that's what you're seeing right now.
1: Yeah. It's attorney sports commentator and host of suit up news, Xavier Pope, Xavier, hold on the line for just a second. I want to turn to an athlete who's been putting a spotlight on racism and racial justice for his entire life. Right before game one of the 1991 NBA finals, Craig Hodges told Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson that they should boycott the game with, quote, the whole world watching. Of course, they didn't do that. A year later, he arrived at the White House in an African dashiki. Soon after, he was dropped by the Bulls, and not a single NBA team would make him an offer. A man who, in his own words, grew up in a movement, welcomed Bulls legend and coach of rich East High in his hometown of Park Forest, Craig Hodges. Craig, welcome to Reset.
2: Hey, nice to be here, man. First of all, just thank God for giving us the chance to come across the airwaves. And, you know, it's a crazy time, and I hope everybody's doing well, man.
1: For you to to see what happened last night, what was your reaction?
2: Uh, You know, it's cool to see young people who have uh, taken on a courageous opportunity, a challenge that is before them, and, and they're standing together. So for me, it's cool to see uh, that. At this point in our time, um, brothers are making mature decisions and realizing that the things that they do impact more than themselves. So it's very it's very cool to watch.
1: Take us back thirty this was thirty years ago now, uh, to the nineteen ninety one NBA Finals, and 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 to think about the the players at that time, and to think about um, how players looked at at your thoughts or or looked at racism mm-hmm. at that time uh, when it came to your suggestion to boycott the ninety one Finals.
2: You know it's amazing how you know this whole social media generation man has has been able to do a lot in as far as moving the ball forward. You know back in the '90s, if uh, the media wasn't with you, you weren't getting any coverage. So attempting to to bring people together and unify and batter, it was it was little or nothing happening. So you know it's good to see man, but in the '90s, it was coming off of the back of the early '70s when the NBA was down and Magic and and um, Larry Bird came in and they were able to somewhat buoy the league back up. And at that point in time, everything was basically apolitical. Nobody spoke on any issues. Where well, now it's a whole different generation, man. So I feel blessed to be able to move the ball a bit forward along with like move by Bill myself. So it's cool to watch, man.
1: You know, Craig, when when you look at how the NFL is changing its tune on Colin Kaepernick, years too late. But there seems to be at least a, a, a you, know, you throw this word around all the time, a reckoning. But there seems to be a recognition uh, from the leagues that they need to do more and they need to do better. Do you look back on your situation and the way that the the NBA at the time handled your situation?
2: Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things between Colin and myself is that his union had a big impact in in talking on his behalf, airing his grievance, Where when I was in the NBA in '91, when I wrote the letter to President Bush, and it was basically blacklisted, my union didn't have anything to say. So I think that's been a big part is that the players have become a little more powerful in their position. So you see a lot more movement. So I think it's just a matter of everything evolved, man, and the evolution of the NBA and the Players Association where now you have conscious athletes where back in the day I think you had more players who were concerned about earning their money as opposed to speaking to social issues. Right.
1: And Xavier, who was just on, he, you know, he just he mentioned the idea of how powerful and and how important it is for athletes to speak up. When you see this, are are you optimistic that the 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 whole world is watching and that the that America will will turn and and pay more attention to what's happening when it comes to the fight for racial justice?
2: Yeah, I think I, you know. Right now, we're on the precipice of something that nobody's ever seen, nobody's ever been there. So there's a spiritual content to it. So I like the, the fact that the NBA players basically opened the curtain and now we have to see what the next, you know, what is the next entree will be? Will it be a sit-down discussion? But whatever it should be, I think it should be public discourse as opposed to it being behind closed doors. Let's open up some of this to transparency to the people who promote it and, um, you know, fans and the like that. You know, we want to know what's going on as opposed to it coming out in sound bites.
1: I want to play this Robert Horry clip. Robert Horry may had something to say about this. And, and I wanted to get your take on this, Craig. Go ahead. And it's hard
0: to tell your 14-year-old son yeah. that I worry about him when he walks out that door. I have a 21-year-old <clears throat> son. I worry about him because black men are, 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 are endangered species pretty much. And I tell my kids all the time. I say, dude, I don't care what's going on because at the end of the day, I want you coming home to me. If you have to lay down on the ground and they can kick you, beat you, at least you're going to go to the hospital and you're going to come home to me.
1: Craig, every black father or mother has to have this conversation with their sons and a conversation that white families can't even imagine having. So, Craig, what's your reaction to Robert Ory?
2: That's sad, man. and It's one of those things where only in America, man, that, you know, world champions... It's sickening to think that at this day and time that has to go on, that we have to tell our young men and to, you have to make sure you're on point for this or on that, and, and you just can't be careful you about your life. So, you know, it's one of those things where hopefully now with what's going on, we're able to get those issues solved, man, and speak to them forth rightly and, and do something about it. Yeah.
1: Craig Hodges, uh, pleasure to have you on the program, and uh, appreciate your work and, and your career, and uh, thank you for joining us on Reset. We appreciate it.
2: Hey, I appreciate you guys and everybody that's listening. Take care, God bless you, and make sure you can plenty your water. Peace, peace.
1: Xavier, listening to Craig Hodges talk, I mean, that that— Tells you how long the struggle has been. I mean, years before him, you can go back to Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali and beyond, but yeah. But Craig Hodges and, and talking specifically about how the league and the union didn't have his back.
0: Yeah, first, I think that the whole world owes uh, Craig Hodges a debt of gratitude for putting his career on the line for, for, for causes when the political climate wasn't even remotely close to the one that exists now when athletes were really focused on selling soda and selling shoes. And that's what they were all about. Um, so Craig Hodges gets a tremendous amount of debt gratitude, um, not only from the sports world, but after that. me as a black man, to Craig, Craig Hodges. And I want to tell him that, he, um, that one thing. And the second thing is, um, I think it's important to to know that Craig Hodges, he did not have the same tools at the time to be able to activate and get social movements happening. Social media has changed a significant amount of how fast messages can come across and how movements can be affected as a result of that. And so I think that that, athletes now are aided by this, but also the bubble aided them, right? Because Mm -hmm. athletes are at their homes, they're wherever they are, but they had a chance to get where there aren't any outside distractions. It's just a game to get together and to collectively act. And that goes to show you what happens when athletes have the ability to, to hunker down and be involved with something like this. But I wanted to also mention this about Craig Hodges. He talked about how he couldn't translate his work to big stars like Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson, but also couldn't get that translated to effective action within the community and i think that what makes now different is essential workers are just as important as a lebron james we saw you know there were threats to the various essential workers and or those that were deliver, delivering groceries in terms of how their their pay and structure and things of that nature but now essential workers have that same ability as it relates to social justice and so they don't have to just rely on a LeBron James to to give marching orders for people to to make change. The the biggest protests we've seen in our country's history after the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis officers were regular normal people, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, gay, straight, you name it, saying we won't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. And entering into the streets and that becoming the change in the conversation. So I think it's important that average people recognize their power just as much as athletes have recognized their power as well.
1: That's Xavier Pope, sports legal commentator and host of the Suit Up News podcast. Now I'd like to bring in someone who's doing work to not only raise up communities on the south and west sides, but who personally took his boss and team owner, George McCaskey, to neighborhoods he'd never been to so that he could see the realities of life there. Sam Acho, welcome back to Reset.
3: So good to be on with you all. Thank you all for for having me.
1: Your reaction to the move by athletes, not just here in Chicago, but around the country last night, to to essentially walk out and uh, protest the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha?
3: Yeah, I think we as athletes were left with no other choice. Uh, There was this big decision of what do we do now that sports has a chance to come back. Everybody knew that, at least a lot of people felt that the reason that the George Floyd incident, his murder got the kind of publicity that it did was because of COVID and one of the side effects of COVID was that sports was canceled. There were no distractions. And so with sports coming back, athletes were met with this decision of if I go and play, will that distract from some of the issues that we see on our, on our homeland, Mm -hmm. which are black people being killed not only by the police, but also by citizens. Will that distract? I think, I think the athletes made the right decision in saying we can no longer play knowing that, uh, black people still outside of this bubble are getting killed by police and by citizens. Yeah.
1: There's so much made of the word platform. And and we've seen this more and more over the years, and, and this was a big uh, argument surrounding Colin Kaepernick. But but to use the platform, to, to be able to recognize that there are so many Americans watching, I mean, people from around the globe, but Americans watching the sport, that resonates with today's athletes.
3: Yeah, without a doubt. A lot of people about growing their platform in the day and age of social media and the day and age of how many followers can you amass how many tweets and likes and retweets can you garner that platform has got to be used for something it can't just be used for your own benefit so what we're seeing now is we're seeing professional athletes use their platform all the focus that's on them every single day they're using it to point to something greater than them. they're pointing to this human rights issue of black lives that are being killed
1: sam when a team makes a decision like this, and you've been in locker rooms where there have been conversations beyond what's happening on the field. How does that usually go down? Is it the closed-door thing where, where someone steps up and, and talks about it? How, how, how does a team make a decision to, to walk out, to, to have a work stoppage, to, to essentially boycott a, a professional game?
3: Yeah, well, I was in the locker room back in 2017 when the Chicago Bears decided to protest uh, against police brutality uh, by locking arms. That, that I, remember, I think everyone remembers week three of, of the NFL season getting ready to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, and nobody knew what to do. But so, but the way those decisions went down were the chairman of the team, George McCaskey, the general manager, Ryan Pace, and the head coach at the time, John Fox, came to me and said, Sam, what are you all going to do tomorrow during the National Anthem? But one thing I've come to understand is that decisions like these aren't one-person decisions to take a team. And so it, what those decisions look like behind closed doors are a lot of conversations within teammates, team members, across teams, from team to team, sometimes from league to league, saying what are we going to do to be unified? And oftentimes the results uh, that you see is usually the person that has the strongest voice or the best reason for whatever they're trying to do. When you saw LeBron James walk out uh, last night of their NBA Players Association meeting, he walked out with the reason saying the reason we, we wear these Black Lives Matter shirts and warm-ups before our games, the reason we put – the names of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd on the back of our jerseys, are for what we saw with Jacob Blake. So it makes zero sense to keep on playing. We would be slapping everyone in the face if we kept on playing while we're trying to protest. What is a real protest? It, it, it hits the bottom line.
1: There's been so much about supporting your teammates, and, and we saw that with the Cubs last night and Jason Hayward. And, and, and even this today, I mean, there's, there's more criticism coming out, uh, some from just recently Brian Urlacher essentially criticizing the boycott, but you're seeing uh, a pushback, a, a, almost a political divide. Do you feel that as players, that that, that it's not necessarily going to be uni- a united uh, acceptance of what you're doing?
2: When you
3: talk about people being killed, that has nothing to do with politics. It has zero to do with politics. You talk about one person, whether it's a police officer or a citizen, killing another person, you got to take politics out of it because that right. has nothing to do with politics. And so... Uh, when somebody has a disdain for another person's life, once again, that's not a political issue. That's a hate issue. There's some sort of either hatred or ignorance that has nothing to do with whether you're a Democrat or Republican or independent. And so people oftentimes, just like when it happened with the flag, uh, with protesting near the national anthem, many people said we're disrespecting the flag, and now there are people were tying the flag to peaceful protest, and patriotism somehow got caught up in peaceful protest. In the same way, people are saying now, well. The fact that you, you mentioned the name Jacob Blake, now you're getting political. No one still to this day has explained to me how acknowledging that Jacob Blake was paralyzed, mm-hmm. shot in the back seven times, is political. It's not, right? And so I think what we need to understand is that, of course, no one's always going to be on the same page. When you have more than one person making a decision, it's hard enough in a marriage with two people. Imagine a team with 5, 10, or even football, 50, 60 people, right? But at the same time, there's got to be a bigger value to you than just your singular opinion. There has to be some bigger thing that says, man, there is a problem and I think I, I, I think I need to acknowledge that.
1: Sam Andrew, are you are you confident that you're going to see more of sports thinking this way, of athletes thinking this way, as opposed to maybe how it was done 20, 30 years ago like Craig Hodges was just talking about?
3: Without a doubt, I'm more than confident that you're going to see more of athletes think this way because the biggest reason that kept athletes from protesting, oftentimes it's the money. I don't what am I going to do if I what if I don't get paid? What if this? What if I, and now I think people understand that there's got to be something bigger than money. I need to sacrifice my money, sacrifice my opportunity. If, if people on the outside of these bubbles are being shot and killed, I need to sacrifice my comfort in order to uh, save a life. And I think that's what we're going to see moving forward in baseball, in basketball, in football, in soccer, in, in every sport. Minus, I mean, obviously, NHL, they have, they're still trying to figure out what they're doing, right, but right. in a lot of sports, you'll see it.
1: Yeah. Well, former Chicago Bear Sam Acho, you know, you've been doing so much for, for the city of Chicago, and, and I'd love to have you back on just to, to talk more about uh, the grocery store on the west side. Uh, you got your book coming out soon, Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World of Fakes. Uh, Sam, always a pleasure to have you on Reset and look forward to speaking again.
3: Definitely look forward to being back on. And that book, yeah, that book talks about these issues, and look forward to being back on with you.
1: And that's today's Reset. Tomorrow, our famed Friday News Roundup will bring in two of the best journalists in town to break down the biggest local and state stories of the week. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll catch you back here tomorrow.